All right, go ahead and say a prayer. Heavenly Father, yeah, we'll become humbly before you today, Father, just to thank you for this beautiful day, this beautiful Sabbath. Thank you for giving us our, our weekly rest. Um, you know that we need this for our bodies and our minds. Father, we just pray that you always just give us what we need instead of what we want in this world. And just help us to search your heart out and your thoughts. And just help us to transform us into the image of your son. So that one day, Father, we can enter that kingdom and be in your presence. And we pray all these things through you, Son Yeshua, High Priest and King. Amen. 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 Can I address one thing real quick before we start? Nope. No. Joey and me were talking the other night, and <laughs> Duff was there for a little bit too. Not enough people are talking about Yeshua. Not enough people are talking about it. People are so focused in our Torah observing communities that they forget to bring up Yeshua. So I just wanted to bring that up. That's right. He's the one you go to. He's their mediator. We know us in the Father. He's the, he's our, our brother we look to. All right, we're going to start. <clears throat> this is the Mishpatim Torah portion, and it's Exodus 21, where we're going to pick up. And it says, these are the right rulings which you are to set before them. When you buy a Hebrew servant, he serves six years, and in the seventh he goes out free for, not, for nothing. If he comes in by himself, he goes out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. His master has given him a wife, and she has borne him sons or daughters. The wife and her children are her masters, and he goes out by himself. And if the servant truly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, let me not go out free. Then his master shall bring him before Elohim, and shall bring him to the door or to the doorpost. And his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. And when a man sells his daughter to be a female servant, she does not go out as the male servants do, if she is displeasing in the eyes of her master, who has engaged her to himself, then he shall let her be ransomed. He shall have no authority to sell her to a foreign people because of him deceiving her. And if he has engaged her to his son, he is to do to her as is the right of daughters. If he takes another wife, her food, her covering, and her marriage rights are not to be diminished. And if he does not do these three for her, then he shall go out for naught without silver. He who strikes a man so that he dies shall certainly be put to death. But if he did not lie and wait, but Elohim delivered him into his hand, then I shall appoint for you a place where he is to flee. But when a man acts presumptuously against his neighbor to kill him by treachery, you are to take him, even from my slaughter place, to die. And he who strikes his father or his mother shall certainly be put to death. And he who kidnaps a man and sells him, or if he is found in his hand, shall certainly be put to death. And he who curses his father or his mother shall certainly be put to death. And when men strive together, and one strikes the other with a stone or with his fist, and he does not die but is confined to his bed, 
If he rises again and walks outside with his staff, then he who struck him shall be innocent. He only pays for lost time and sees to it that he is completely healed. And when a man strikes his male or female servant with a rod so that he dies under his hand, he shall certainly be punished. But if he remains alive a day or two, he is not punished, for he is his property. And when men strive, and they shall smite a pregnant woman, and her children come out, yet there is no injury, he shall certainly be punished according as the, hus the woman's husband lays upon him, and he shall give through the judges. But if there is an inquiry, then you shall give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, lash for lash. And when a man strikes the eye of his female, or male servant and destroys it, he is to let him go free for the sake of his eye. And if he knocks out the tooth of his male or female servant, he is to let him go free for the sake of his tooth. And when an ox gores a man or a woman to death, then the ox shall certainly be stoned and its flesh is not eaten and the owner of the ox is innocent. However, if the ox is previously in the habit of goring and its owner has been warned, and he has not kept it confined so that it has killed a man or a woman, the ox is stoned and its owner is also put to death. If a sin covering is laid upon him, then he, help, he shall have or give the ransom of his life, whatever is laid on him, whether it has gored a son or gored a daughter. According to this right ruling, it is done to him. If the ox gores a male, or female servant, he is to give to their master 30 shekels of silver and the ox is stone. When a man opens a pit, or if a man digs a pit and does not cover it, and an ox or a donkey falls in it, the owner of the pit is to repay. He is to give silver to the owner, and the dead beast is his. And when the ox of a man smites the ox of his neighbor and it dies, then they shall sell the live ox and divide the silver from it and also divide the dead ox. Or if it was known that the ox was previously in the habit of goring and its owner has not kept it confined, he shall certainly repay ox for ox while the dead beast is his. What you got, man? Uh, He's just starting to set up his precedent. <laughs> yeah. The end is hard to do. What, what were you reading? One at a time, people. One at a time. <laughs> Exodus 21. Sorry. All right, Exodus 21, the whole chapter? Yes. All right. Take care, Jerry Beard. Do you have a flyer, um, Joey? I'll say if he doesn't, go ahead and... Yeah, I'll send it. Does anybody else need a flyer to know we're going over? Let me know. Trish, you probably need one. Yeah, I don't have it. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I do need one. I got you. Thank you, Marco. You can send me one, too. Please, it's Carmen. Okay, it's Carmen. Wait, who's that? Okay. 
It's a voice in the wilderness. My voice. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so, so you would say that's the law, right, Dustin? I would say this is law. Okay. There's some of this stuff that um, they're talking about um, is in First Timothy. When Paul's talking to Timothy, it says, First Timothy uh, 1.8 says, But we know that the law is good, if a man use it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, ungodly, and for the sinners, for the unholy, profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, because that was in there. Mm -hmm. um, manslayers that was in there for whoremongers for them that defile themselves with mankind for man stealers I noticed that one was in there for liars perjurers persons and if there anything other contrary to sound doctrine I just know that there were some of those in first Timothy well, I think it's funny that it specifically states that this is not for the uh, the righteous individual these are like I mean it is the law but it's more of like how to conduct yourself in certain scenarios. And I don't know, but if you're just openly striking, like in verse 12, he who strikes a man so that he dies shall certainly be put to death. If you're just going out and just striking people for no reason, I'm not against, uh, you know, defending yourself. But if you just go and strike somebody and they die, you're not a righteous person. <laughs> so, does it a yeah, and then going on 14, when a man acts presumptuously against his neighbor to kill him by treachery, you were to take him even from my slider place to die. He's not a righteous person. Well, if you were if you were a righteous person, you're not going around slaughtering people or beating people up. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it says right here, but we know that law is good if a man use it lawfully. So yeah. if you look into the if you look into Exodus and see that, hey, I'm not supposed to smack my pants around, you know. I think I'm going to practice so, that. Think about the audience at the time. Why would they have to say that? Anybody got the answer? We talking about in, in Exodus? No, you were just talking about your passage. Oh, why not. would they have to tell? Why would they have to reiterate that to the people? If these people were already hearing about the law. What you got? Because, once again, this goes back to they weren't showing people how to correctly do the law. Oh, yeah. So they were using it unlawfully to suit their own benefits. Didn't they punch Didn't they punch Yeshua in the face and rip his beard out? Oh, yeah. They sure did. So they weren't, sure even, did. Doing, they weren't even doing the law. No. They couldn't well, be. We got Stephen when they stoned him for no reason. Exactly. Exactly. Without cause. Yep. Or will they beat Paul for no cause? Yeah. Shalom, Andrea. Oh, guys, glad I could make it. Shalom, Andrea. So it just goes to show you they weren't, uh, they were doing wrong. That's why he had to teach Timothy, you know, what how to use the law properly. Yeah. And it says that if you do that, you're righteous. You're not perfect. You're just declared righteous. 
in the eyes of God, just like Elizabeth and Zachariah and Luke, you know, Luke 1, 6, they were walking orderly. So, So their righteousness wasn't a filthy rags. <laughs> nope. Nobody nope. So to say that to say that right your righteousness is filthy rags, just to bring that up one more time. If someone tells you that because you're trying to practice the commandments, then they're saying basically Yeshua, his righteousness is a filthy rags for practicing the Father's behavior. Hmm. And tur- then he turns around and tells us, follow me, pick up your cross daily. Die daily to sin. Be obedience unto righteousness and instead of sin unto death. So it's one or the other. You know, and I, I think it's just people don't, people have been taught that there's nothing you can do. But in the book of Revelation, it says something different that, you know, you're going to be judged according to your deeds or your works. Your works is repentance from sin and practicing righteousness so that men can see your light and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. So. Absolutely. Amen. But we don't believe, or, you know, not doing. It is some people aren't there yet. And when we do that, then we're counting out the power that God has. Because he drew everybody here. But for some reason, other people think that they, they can't draw. No, he can't draw nobody else. You know, <laughs> some people got it. They just got to give them time. So we got to be patient and compassionate and merciful. Just like, you know, he has shown us. So. Good. Go <laughs> What's that? All right. <clears throat> I'm going to go through 22. Okay. Exodus 22 says when a man steals an ox or a sheep and shall slaughter it or sell it he repays five cattle for an ox and four sheep for a sheep if the thief is found breaking in and he is struck so that he dies there is no guilt for his bloodshed if the sun is risen on him there is guilt for his bloodshed he shall certainly repay if he has not the means then he shall be sold for his theft if the theft is indeed found alive in his hand, whether it is an ox or a donkey or sheep, he, he repays a double. When a man lets a field or vineyard be grazed bare and lets loose his livestock, and it feeds in another man's field, he repays from the best of his own field and the best of his own vineyard. When fire breaks out and spreads to thorn bushes so that stacked grain or standing grain or the field is consumed, he who kindled the fire shall certainly repay. When a man gives silver or goods to his neighbor to guard and it is stolen out of the man's house, 
If the thief is found, he repays double. If the thief is not found, then the master of the house shall be brought before Elohim to see whether he has put his hand into his neighbor's goods. For every matter of transgression, for ox, for donkey, for sheep, for garment, or for whatever is lost with another claims to be his, or which another claims to be his, let the matter of them both come before Elohim, and whomever Elohim declares wrong repays double to his neighbor. When a man gives to his neighbor a donkey, or ox, or sheep, or any beast to watch over, and it dies, or is injured, or is driven away while no one is looking, let an oath of Yahweh be between them both, that he has not put his hand into his neighbor's goods, and the owner of it shall accept that, and he does not repay. But if it is indeed stolen from him, he repays it to its owner. If it is torn to pieces, then let him bring it for evidence. He who does not repay what was torn. And when a man borrows from his neighbor, and it is injured or dies, while the owner of it is not present, he shall certainly repay. But if the, its owner was with it, he does not repay. If it was hired, he is entitled, he is entitled to the hire. And when a man entices a maiden who is not engaged and lies with her, he shall certainly pay the bride price for her to be his wife. If her father absolutely refuses to give him or give her to him, he pays according to the bride price of maidens. Do not allow a practicer of witchcraft to live. Anyone lying with a beast shall certainly be put to death. He who slaughters to an Elohim except to Yahuwah only is put under the ban. Do not tread down a sojourner or oppress him, for you were sojourners in the land of Mitzrayim. Do not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If you do afflict them at all, they cry out to me at all. I shall certainly hear their cry, and my wrath shall burn, and I shall kill you with the sword. Your wives shall be widows and your children fatherless. If you do lend silver to any of my people, the poor among you, you are not to be like one that lends on interest to him. Do not lay interest on him. If you take your neighbor's garment as a pledge at all, you are to return it to him before the sun goes down. For that is his only covering. It is his garment for his skin. What does he sleep in? And it shall be, when he cries to me, I shall hear, for I shall favor. Do not revile an Elohim, nor curse a ruler of your people. Do not delay giving your harvest and your vintage. Give me the firstborn of your sons. Likewise, you are to do with your oxen, with your sheep. It is to be with its mother seven days. On the eighth day, you give it to me. And you are to be, and you are set apart men to me. And you do not eat any meat which is torn to pieces in the fields. You throw it to the dogs. Like if the thief is found breaking in, he is struck so that he dies. There is no guilt for his bloodshed. So, what's the overall theme of this chapter? He's just—it's it, not even just the one chapter because we have to remember that chapters weren't invented back then. I think this whole. All the way up into 30, at least. It's just all one thing. He's up on the mountain. He's being given the law to give back to, or to bring back to the Israelites. Because if you would have been here last week, <laughs> if you'd been here last week, you would have saw Easy. that. 
I'll do a quick recap. Uh, so Exodus 20, everybody knows Exodus 20 is the Ten Commandments. At the end of it, after the giving of the ten, uh, in verse 18, it says, All the people saw the thunders, the lightnings, the flashes, the voice of the shofar, and the mountain smoking. And the people saw it, and they trembled and stood at a distance. And they said to Moses, You speak with us, and we hear, but let not Elohim speak with us, lest we die. They were terrified. So what they did is they sent Moses to go gather the rest of the law and give it to the people. This is why there's no separation between the Ten Commandments and every other command that's given by God to Israel. There's none. There's no separation. So now he's speaking with the Most High, Moses is, and he's, he's just breaking it down for him, just bit by bit by bit. And I think he's just trying to get it all out to him, you know what I mean, so that he can bring it back to the people. Because uh, there's no specific order. I mean, it just kind of keeps going, like, law after law after law after law after law after law, after law <laughs> you know what I mean? There's kind of some, uh, like, a similar flow in what he's talking about, but then it changes, and it's like, and then this, and then it'll change and say, and then this. So I think he's just breaking it down for him. That's the way that I look at it. I got a question. Go ahead. West Royal. In 16, it says, if a man seduces a virgin who is not engaged and he has sexual relations with her, he must certainly pay the bridal price for her to be his wife. If her father absolutely refuses to give her to him, he must pay a mountain silver equal to a bridal price for virgins. Now, if the father's refusing, would, would he be causing her to commit adultery at that point and the man? Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember where else this is written at. Because it seems like if he's refusing to let them be together, then any, if it caused if it was adultery, then it would be on him at that point. So I'm thinking. I think this was reiterated. It's Deuteronomy twenty two twenty eight. So what what does that man what does that word seduce mean? I mean, is that doesn't sound like a good word. No, you it's know, like hey, come on, like, back here. Kind of, that, sounded, that kind of sounds like rape. Well, it says if a man... So we can look it up in the strong phone. Look it up. See what seduce means. Here. Do, do, do. Yes, yeah, 22-20. You look that up and I'll look up the, the strongest definition. If my internet load. This is what I hate about living in the country. Do you need me to do both? Um, it's loading right now. I don't know. I love my internet service that they switched over without my permission. Might have to. Okay, so the word for that is um, persuade, like to talk into. I was trying yeah. to come back in to tell you guys about that. I don't think that, I don't think that, right, because any other case that's used, 
it's like C's or fours, things like that. Those are the words that are typically used. I think seduce or persuade, that's more accurate. And I think that's like what we see with the, for lack of better words, that's what you see with the douchebags today. <laughs> that are all smooth talking women and bringing them back to their house and uh, hit it and quit it. And In other words, again. a player. I mean, yeah, it's it's I mean, more flattery and stuff. Um, it wasn't letting me in earlier to, to finish. So, but yeah, that's that's what the the strong's definition is. Yeah. Um, all right. Do not bring a false report. Do not put your hand with the wrong to be a malicious witness. Do not follow a crowd to do evil, nor bear witness in a strife, so as to turn aside after many, to turn aside what is right. Do not, and do not favor a poor man in his strife. When you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall certainly return it to him. When you see the donkey of him who hates you lying under its burden, you shall refrain from leaving it to him. You shall certainly help him. Do not turn aside the right ruling of your poor in his strife. Keep yourself far from a false matter, and do not kill the innocent and the righteous. And I do not declare the wrong right. Do not take a bribe, for a bribe blinds the seeing one and twists the words of the righteous. And do not oppress a sojourner, as you yourselves know the heart of a sojourner, because you were sojourners in the land of Mitzrayim. And for six years you are to sow your land and shall gather its increase, but the seventh year you are to let it rest and shall leave it. And the poor of your people shall eat. And what they leave, the beasts of the field eat. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive yard. Six days you are, should, are, you are to do your work. And on the seventh day you rest, in order that your ox and your donkey might rest, and the son of your female servant and the sojourner be refreshed. And in all that I have said to take, and all that I have said to you, take heed. And make no mention of the name of other mighty ones. Let it not be heard from your mouth. Three times in the year you are to celebrate a festival to me. Guard the festival of Matzot. Seven days you eat unleavened bread, as I commanded you. At the time appointed in the new month of Abib, the first month, for in it you came out of Mitzrayim, and do not appear before me empty-handed. That's important, too. <laughs> and the festival of the harvest, the first fruits of your labors which you have sown in the field and the festival of ingathering at the outgoing of the year, when you have gathered in the fruit of your labors from the field. Three times in the year, all your males are to, to appear before the master Yahweh. Do not slaughter the blood of my slaughtering with leavened bread, and the fat of my festival shall not remain until morning. Bring the first of the first fruits of your land into the house of Yahweh, your Elohim. Do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Say, I am sending a messenger before you to guard you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Be on guard before him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he is not going to pardon your transgression. For my name is in him. But if you diligently obey his voice and shall do all that I speak, then I shall be an enemy to your enemies and a distresser to those who distress you. For my messenger shall go before you and shall bring you in to the Amorites and to the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites 
and shall cut them off. Do not bow down to their mighty ones, nor serve them, nor do according to their works. But without fail, overthrow them, and without fail, break down their pillars. And you shall serve Yahweh your Elohim, and he shall bless your bread and your water, and I shall remove sickness from your midst. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land, and I shall fill the number of your days. I shall send my fear before you and cause confusion among all the people to whom you come and make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I shall send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before you. I shall not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become a waste and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little I shall drive them out from before you, until you have increased, and you inherit the land. I shall set the border from the Sea of Reeds to the Sea of the Philistines, and from the wilderness to the river, for I shall give the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out from before you. Do not make a covenant with them, nor their mighty ones. Let them not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me when you serve their mighty ones, when it becomes a snare to you. Uh, a couple of things, a couple of things. Number one, verse 19 says, do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. That doesn't mean you can't eat a cheeseburger. Uh, number two. Yeah, do or not two cheeseburgers. Yeah, or two cheeseburgers. There's three times a year you should uh, appear before the Lord to the uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread. Yeah. The Feast of Harvest, which is first fruits. First fruits. And then tabernacles. And tabernacles, feast of end gathering. Yep. Yeah. Right. Also, um, it says in verse 20, it says, Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. So that goes back to the authority thing we got going on in in Deuteronomy. Well I, I just call it agency, you know. That's what I call it. Yeah. Just like Moses was the he was the voice for the people. Now now the father's sending this angel who's now going to be with us for the next forty seven chapters or something like that. You know, um, well, not 47 chapters, but it goes into numbers and everything, but that's the same angel of the presence, you know, uh, tabernacle. Exodus 24. <clears throat> and to Moshe, he said, come up to Yahuwah, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abi, Abihu. And seventy of the elders of Israel, and you shall bow yourselves from a distance. But Moshe shall draw near to Yahuwah by himself, and let not let them not draw near, nor let the people go up with him. And Moshe came and related to the people all the words of Yahuwah, and all the right rulings. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which Yahuwah has spoken we shall do. And Moshe wrote down all the words of Yahuwah, and rose up early in the morning, and built a slaughter place at the foot of the mountain and twelve standing columns for the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel, and they offered ascending offerings and slaughtered 
slaughterings of peace offerings to Yahweh of bulls. And Moshe took half the blood and put it in basins, and half the blood, and he sprinkled on the slaughter place. And he took the book of the covenant and read it in all the hearing of the people. And they said, all that Yahweh has spoken, we shall do and obey. And Moshe took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, see the blood of the covenant, which Yahweh has made with you concerning all these words. And Moshe went up, also Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Yisrael. And they saw the Elohim of Yisrael, and under his feet, like a paved work of sapphire stone, and like the heavens for brightness. Yet he did not stretch out his hand against the chiefs of the children of Israel. And they saw Elohim, and they ate and drank. And Yahweh said to Moshe, Come up to me on the mountain and be here, or be there, while I give you tablets of stone, and the Torah, and the command which I have written to teach them. And Moshe arose with his assistant, Yehoshua, Joshua. And Moshe went up to the mountain of Elohim. And he saw, or he said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you and see Aaron and her are with you. Whoever has matters, let him go to them. And Moshe went up into the mountain and a cloud covered the mountain. And the esteem of Yahweh dwelt on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moshe out of the midst of the cloud. And the appearance of the esteem of Yahuwah was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain before the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moshe went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain. And it came to be that Moshe was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Oh, we got something here. Elohim arises. His enemies are scattered. And those who hate him flee, flee before him. As smoke is driven away, you drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, the wrong perish before Elohim. But the righteous are glad. They exult before Elohim, and they rejoice with gladness. Sing to Elohim, sing praises to his name. Raise up a highway for him, who rides through the deserts by his name, Yah, and exult before him. Father of the fatherless and right ruler of widows, is Elohim and his set-apart dwelling. Elohim makes a home for the lonely. He brings out into prosperity those who are bound with chains. Only the rebellious shall dwell in a dry land. O Elohim, when you went out before your people, when you stepped through the wilderness, Salah, the earth shook and the heavens dropped before Elohim. This Sinai shook before Elohim, the Elohim of Yisrael. You, O Elohim, sent a shower of plenty. You confirmed your inheritance when it was weary. Your flock dwelt in it. You provided from your goodness for the poor, O Elohim. Yahuwah gave the word. The women who proclaimed it was a great company. Sovereigns of armies flee in haste, and she who remains at home divides the spoil. If you lie down among the sheepfolds, the wings of a dove are covered with silver, and her feathers with yellow gold. When the Almighty scattered sovereigns in it, it did snow in Salmon. A mountain of Elohim is the mountain of Bashan. A mountain of peaks is the mountain of Bashan. A mountain of peaks, why do you gaze in envy at the mountain which Elohim desired to dwell in? Yahweh even dwells there forever. The chariots of Elohim are 20,000, thousands of thousands. Yahweh came from Sinai into the set-apart place. 
You have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. You have received gifts among men, and even the rebellious, that Yah Elohim might dwell there. Blessed be Yahweh. Day by day he bears our burden, the L of our deliverance. Selah. Our L is the L of deliverance, and to Yahweh the Master belong escapes from death. Indeed, Elohim smites the head of his enemies, the hairy scalp of him who walks about in his guilt. Yahweh said, I bring back from Bashan, I bring back from the depths of the sea, so that you plunge your foot in blood, that the tongues of your dogs have their portion from the enemies. They have seen your goings, O Elohim, the goings of Mael, my sovereign, into the set-apart place. The singers went in front, the players on instruments after them. Among them were the young women, playing tambourines. Bless Elohim in the assemblies. Yahweh from the fountain of Yisrael. There in Binyamin, the smallest, their ruler, the leaders of Yehuda, their company, the leader of Zebulun, the leader of Naphtali. Your Elohim has commanded your strength. Be strong. O Elohim, this you have worked out for us. Because of your hachal at Jerusalem, sovereigns bring presents to you. Rebuke the wild beasts of the, of the reeds the herd of bulls with the calves of the people, each one humbling himself with pieces of silver. Scatter the peoples who delight in conflicts. Ambassadors come out of Mitzrayim. Cush stretches out her hands to Elohim. Sing to Elohim, you reigns of the earth. Praise to Yahuwah, Selah. To him who rides on the ancient highest, highest heavens, see he sends out his voice, a mighty voice, Ascribe strength to Elohim. His excellence is over Yisrael, and his strength is in the clouds. O Elohim, awesome from your set-apart places, the El of Yisrael is he who gives strength and power to his people. Blessed be Elohim. Uh, next, we're going to do Second Ezra's. Ooh. Second Ezra's 2, 24 through 48. 24 through what? 48. This is one of my favorites. I've heard that before. Where do we find <laughs> second Ezra? Where do we find second Ezra? Uh, you got to have a book that has it. <laughs> Which is? Uh, do we have it in the Sefer, I think? Sefer should have it, I think. The Sefer has it, I know. Hold on.
All right, I'm going to go ahead and start. <clears throat> Second Esther chapter 2, starting verse 24. Stay still, O my people, and take your rest, for your quietness will come. Nourish your children, O you good nurse, and establish their feet. As for the servants whom I have given you, there will not one of them perish, for I will require from them among your number, or from among your number. Be not careful over much, for when the day of suffering and anguish comes, others will weep and be sorrowful, but you will be merry and have abundance. The nations will envy you, but they will be able to do nothing against you, says the Lord. My hands will cover you so that your children see not hell. Be joyful, O you mother, with your children, for I will deliver you, says the Lord. Remember your children that sleep. For I will bring them out of the secret places of the earth and show mercy to them. For I am merciful, says the Lord Almighty. Embrace your children until I come and proclaim mercy to them. For my wells run over and my grace will not fail. I, Esdras, or Ezra, received a charge from the Lord upon the Mount Horeb that I should go to Israel. But when I came to them, they would have none of me and rejected the commandment of the Lord. And therefore I say to you, O you nations that hear and understand, look for your shepherd. He will give you everlasting rest, for he is near at hand. That will come in the end of the world. Be ready to the rewards of the kingdom, for the everlasting light will shine upon you forevermore. Flee the shadow of this world. Receive the joyfulness of your glory. I call to witness my Savior openly. O receive that which is given to you of the Lord. And be joyful, giving thanks to him that has called you to the heavenly kingdoms. Arise up and stand and behold the number of those that be sealed in the feast of the Lord. Those who withdrew them from the shadow of the world have received glorious garments of the Lord. Look upon your number, O Zion, and make up the reckoning of those, that, of, those of you that are clothed in white, which have fulfilled the law of the Lord. The number of your children whom you long for is fulfilled. Implore the power of the Lord that your people, which have been called from the beginning, may be hallowed. I, Ezra, saw upon Mount Zion a great multitude whom I could not number, and they all praised the Lord with songs. And in the midst of them was a young man of high stature, taller than all the rest. And upon every one of their heads he set crowns and was more exalted. I marveled greatly at this, so I asked the angel and said, What are these, my lord? He answered and said to me, These be those who have put off mortal clothing and put on the immortal and have confessed the name of God. Now, now are they crowned and receive song, palms. They receive palms. Then said I to the angel, What young man is he that sets crowns up upon them and gives them palms in their hands? So he answered and said to me, It is the Son of God, whom they have confessed in the world. Then began I greatly to commend those who stood so stiffly for the name of the Lord. Then the angel said to me, Go your way, and tell my people what manner of things, and how great wonders of the Lord you have seen. Who's he talking you. about? Talking about the new Jerusalem, Zion, King of Heaven. Mm -hmm. The one that's real. 
Who's the gentleman giving crowns? Um, that would be the same gentleman in Revelation 7, 9. It says, after this, behold, a, a, lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all the nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. It also says back in 228 it says the heathen shall envy thee, but they shall but they shall be able to do nothing against thee, saith the Lord. And that just reminded me of Isaiah um 50, 54, 17, where it says no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt be condemned, or thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. So this is their land that's given to them, that's promised in the new covenant. And their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. As they fulfill the law. I love I love that passage, but every time I hear somebody read it, I think the DMX is about to start breaking out. What's that? <laughs> I, say, I love that. I love that passage, but every time I hear it, I think the like somebody's gonna break out singing singing some DMX. Lord, give me a sign. <laughs> that's a, that's a good song. <laughs> oh it's, man, and, you know. Why why would they take this book out? I, it says right here, um, it says, Arise and stand. Behold, the number of those that be sealed in the feast of the Lord, which have departed from the shadow of the world and have received glorious garments of the Lord. Take thy number, O Zion, and shut up those of thine that are clothed in white, which have fulfilled the law of the Lord. Thought you couldn't fulfill the law of the Lord. What does it say they brings them up out of the earth? Oh, it says right here in 231, it says, Remember thy children that sleep, for I shall bring out of the sides of the earth and show mercy unto them, for I'm merciful, saith the Lord Almighty. Hallelujah. Yeah, something I learned from Sean, it's like that one character in the Bible that you know, we pay attention to, and that's, that's Zion. Travailing to give birth to her children. It's because she never gave birth and um, yeah. she never get, was able to give birth because Adam never kicked out before they could. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I didn't know that the other day, and the Courtney brought that up to me. I was like, oh, snap. I never got that. You didn't know that? I know Travail birth. I thought I was looking at it a different way, but I was never thinking about actually, like, people having, you know, children in the kingdom. Yeah, she just longs like, to have her, her people. It said, there's one passage, I, I have to find it, it says she longs to have her people, you know, walking in her streets. Like, you know, we're like gems. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I knew and, that, like, I knew that part, but I never thought about the context of, like, Adam and Eve, you've never had children in there, you know? Nope. 
I was it was interesting. It's pretty cool. Like yeah, I love second Ezra's man. I do too. That's a that's a good book. I think second Ezra's kind of helped explain a lot of stuff to me. So was it, I think it's seven or fourteen where he talks about the rewriting of the law because it was burnt up. Yeah. I see. That's why I keep trying to tell people that is this, they would have been, it would have been written in Greek. Yeah. And I keep trying to tell people that the, the modern Hebrew old Testament comes after the Greek because when the book was, or when the law was burnt up and Ezra had to rewrite it, with uh, other individuals, I believe it was written in Greek. And in fact, when you look at what, what? Uh, when you look at scholars, um, that's typically how they date how old something is. Oh. If it was if it was Greek or um, or no, if it was Paleo Hebrew, then it was First Temple area. If it was in Greek, then it was Second Temple area. Greek up into so what year would have second so what year would have this been taking place? I'm bad with the timeline, so that's found in uh, he was he wasn't he and Nehemiah wasn't he the uh on the was he on the first captivity taken into Babylon or was he on the second wave? Well, I'm trying to figure out, like, what year would it have been? I can't recall. Well, it's it's probably, probably it's probably when El, you know, second. when the Greeks were ruling the world. They would have been second, wouldn't it? Because during the time of Ezra, that's when the temple was rebuilt. During the time of Daniel, was the first, um, and they were, and the temple was destroyed then. It was the Greeks were so were in charge. Would it have been around two? Was it, so was it around the, that time period the Septuagint came out? The 250 BC? That's what I'm saying. No matter how you look at it, 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 it. good. Good. Well, the no, reason I'm asking that is because it, it's. If he was written in um, Greek, and if it wasn't around the time the Septuagint was to be put together, then why would they have to translate the Greek at that time? Like the 250 BC? Why would they be translating it right there? You know, they're going to bring all these scholars, like these scribes, to translate it if, if, if Ezra was before that, which I don't know if it was or not, but if he was before that and it why would he write in Greek and they would come translate back in Greek again? Well, if they were in exile, um, let me find out. When was the? So you say that the? You say that the? the go ahead. Most accurately, I think it's like 250 BC to 100 BC. Is when the Septuagint was being put together. Some say 300 BC to 100 BC, but I think the most accurate is like 250. 
think a lot of their timelines are screwed up too. Don't we be honest? Could be. It says that he was all right. It says that he was living in Babylon in the seventh year of Artaxerxes, king of Persia. So that would have been the world power at that time would have been Medo Persia, which represents the chest in Nebuchadnezzar's statue. So the Greeks hadn't taken power yet. They wouldn't have taken power yet. Let me find out when the Greeks took power. So then, if that was the case, then that doesn't necessarily mean that the language wasn't Greek. What language did these people um, speak? I doubt it was Hebrew. <laughs> and three, it says Alexander the Great. One second. Ancient Greek civilization flourished from the period following, following the, uh, uh, which ended about 1200 BCE to the death of Alexander the Great and Wait a second. Yeah, they... Uh, seeing. Could be. Could be. Could be they were speaking Greek. I think they're speaking Greek. Because modern Hebrew is not the same as old Hebrew. It's a spinoff. But that's what I'm saying. Like scholars always put uh, findings of Hebrew. Um, Paleo-Hebrew. That's first temple era. And then after destruction, there's some timeline in between the second or the or the destruction of the temple and uh, the building of the second temple that's anything they find that's Greek they typically date to that period um, and then I think after destruction of second temple uh, is, is modern uh, Hebrew I could be wrong on the second half of that like the modern Hebrew part but I know that Paleo Hebrew is always first temple or pre first temple um, to first temple. And then, yeah, the Greek. That's all through uh, after the destruction of the first. But because Daniel went through, what was it three? Three kings, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar and his son. No, it would have been it would have been more than three kings. I think it was I think it was like five kings because there was the oh 
the Nido Persian kings. There was the the king king of Need and then the king of Persia. That's two. And then yeah, Nebuchadnezzar. I think he went through like five kings. And he was declared righteous. Oh my God! Stop. <laughs> Sorry, he got muted. Um. <laughs> Cowboy, no, give me a sign. <laughs> Anyways, uh, over here acting like Tim. I'll start breaking out in song in the middle of discussion. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I think it was Greek, but I mean that's just me. I think there was something to them translating it from Greek into Hebrew, but that's a whole different discussion. It's a good chance. Isaiah four, Isaiah four. In that day, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, "We shall eat our food, or our own food, and wear our own clothes." Only let us be called by your name to take away our reproach. In that day, the branch of Yahweh shall be splendid and esteemed, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for the escaped ones of Israel. And it shall be that he who is left in Zion and he who remains in Jerusalem is called set apart. Everyone who is written among the living in Jerusalem. And Yahweh has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and rinsed away the blood of Jerusalem from her midst by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. Then Yahweh shall create above every dwelling place of Mount Zion and above her gatherings a cloud of smoke by day and a shining of a flaming fire by night. For over all the esteem shall be a covering and a booth for shade in the daytime from the heat for a place of refuge and for a shelter from storm and rain. And now we're getting to second Kings. We got yeah, second Kings four, one through seven. First. And it says, <clears throat> And a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared Yahuwah, and the lender has come to take my two sons to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, What should I do for you? Inform me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Your female servant has none at all in the house except a pot of oil. And he said, Go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not get a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the filled ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. And it came to be when the vessels were filled that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. 
But he said to her, there is not another vessel, and the oil ceased. So she went and informed the man of Elohim, and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. I wish we'd go through all of this too because that story just keeps getting better and better and better. Yeah. <laughs> now we're going to Second Kings 11. Uh, 17, 11, 17 to 12, 17. Very easy. Um, okay. Yehoyada, I think is how his name is said. Yehoyada. Yehoyada. That's a tough and, one. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder if this is where they got Yoda. Um, Yoda. <laughs> Yehoyada made a covenant between Yahweh and the Sovereign and the people, to be the people of Yahweh. Also between the sovereign and the people, and all the people of the land went to the house of Baal and broke it down. They completely broke up its slaughter places and images and killed Matan, the priest of Baal, before the slaughter places, and the priest appointed inspectors over the house of Yahweh and took the commanders of hundreds and the Karaites and the runners and all the people of the land, and they brought out the sovereign down from the house of Yahweh, and went by the way of the gate of the runners to the sovereign's house. And he sat on the throne of the sovereigns. And all the people of the land rejoiced, and the city had rest, for they had slain, oh, shoot, at the Atho Yahu <laughs> with the sword in the sovereign's house. Yehoash was seven years old when he began to reign. Yehoash began to reign in the seventh year of Yehu, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Sibiah of Beersheba. And Yehoash did what was right in the eyes of Yahuwah. All the days in which Yehoiada, the priest, instructed him. However, the high places were not taken away. The people still slaughtered and burned incense on the high places. And Yehoyash said to the priests, All the silver of the set-apart gifts that are brought into the house of Yahweh, the silver coming over, each man's assessment silver, all the silver that a man purposes in his heart to bring into the house of Yahweh, let the priests take for themselves, each from his friend, and let them strengthen the breaches of the house, wherever there is a breach. And it came to be, by the twenty-third year of the sovereign Yehoyash, that the priests had not strengthened the, bre the breaches of the house. And sovereign Yehoyash called Yehoyada, the priest, and the other priests, and said to them, Why have you not strengthened the breaches of the house? And now do not take any more silver from your friends, but give it for the breaches of the house. And the priests agreed that they would neither receive any more silver from the people, nor strengthen the breaches of the house. And Yehoyada, the priest, took a chest and bored a hole in its lid and set it beside the slaughter place and on the right side as one comes into the house of Yahweh. And the priests who guarded the door put all their silver that was brought into the house of Yahweh. 
And it came to be whenever they saw that there was much silver in the chest, that the sovereign scribes and the high priests came up and put it in bags and counted the silver that was found in the house of Yahuwah and gave the silver weighed out into the hands of those who did the work, who had the oversight of the house of Yahuwah. And they paid it out to the carpenters and builders who worked in the house of Yahuwah and to stonemasons and stonecutters and for buying timber and hewn stone to strengthen the breach of the house of Yahuwah and for all that was paid out to strengthen the house. However, there were not made for the house of Yahuwah basins of silver, snuffers, sprinkling bowls, trumpets, any objects of gold or objects of silver from the silver that was brought into the house of Yahuwah. For they gave that to the workmen and they strengthened the house of Yahuwah which were with it. And they did not reckon with the men into whose hand they gave the silver to be paid to workmen, for they acted trustworthily. The silver from the trespass offerings and the silver from the sin offerings was not brought into the house of Yahuwah. It belonged to the priests. And Hazael, sovereign of Aram, went up and fought against Gath and captured it. And Hazael set his face to go up to Jerusalem. And Yehoash, sovereign of Yehuda, took all the set-apart gifts. Oh. That was where I was supposed to stop. <laughs> I was enjoying that. They're over there taking money and not even fixing the place. Yep. Sounds like modern day, or sounds like the Pharisees in New Testament. This is the second. This is about this one. Um, Judaism pretty much started, right? The Judaism um, we have today, at least. I mean, this. Well, this sorry, is actually the two house split. Wait, uh, Levites. No, no, no. I'm, I'm sorry. Never mind. Thanks, someone else. Never mind. When Levites start going astray. Yeah, it's when Levites start going astray. You're right about that. Sorry, I was thinking something else. For some reason, I'm still thinking I'm in second. We're because we're just in second. Ezra's. I was thinking about that for a second. We can go back to that here in a little bit. Um, <laughs> I've got That's so much editing to do right now. I've got so much editing. I don't want to go off topic. I just want to finish this out for the recording's sake. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 5 and hear the words of our Messiah. The shepherd who shepherds over the the ones accepted in the New Jerusalem. Oh. The ones who fulfill the law of the Lord. Yeah. Amen. Oh. Hallelujah. Matthew 5, starting in verse 31. And it has been said, whoever puts away his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever puts away his wife, except for the matter of pouring, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a woman who has been put away commits adultery. Again, you have heard it said, or it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to Yahuwah. But I say to you, do not swear vainly at all, neither by the heaven, because it is Elohim's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great sovereign. Nor swear by your head, because you are not able to make one hair white or black, but let your word, 
yes be yes and your no be no. And what goes beyond these is from the wicked one. You heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the wicked. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. And he who wishes to sue you and take away your inner garment, let him have your outer garment as well. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you, and from him who wishes to borrow from you, do not turn away. You heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those cursing you, do good to those hating you, and pray for those insulting you and persecuting you, so that you become sons of your Father in the heavens, because he makes his sun rise on the wicked and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those loving you, what reward have you? Are the tax collectors not doing the same too? And if you greet your brothers only, what do you do more than others? Are the tax collectors not doing so too? Therefore, be perfect as your Father in the heavens is perfect. Well, I was tested on that this week for sure. Um... I want to point out something that you, you heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Um, it's never said to hate your enemy in the Bible. But if you want to expound on what you, what you mean. I think me and, me and Mike had talked about this a while back, but all of this is, this is him going through, first of all, I want to point out Yeshua is not a Pharisee, um, but this is him speaking in a manner of which the Pharisees did. They had their own interpretations of scripture. They uh, basically went through the scriptures and they would give their opinions or their interpretations to modernize what these laws meant because you know, as time progresses, laws typically tend to get looked at a little bit differently. This is what we were talking about even just a little bit ago. But Malachi 3.6, God doesn't change. I don't think that his law does either. What it says is what it means. Um, I think there is differences in interpretation for some people, and that's fine. This is why, as Jimmy had uh, pointed out multiple times, this is why we're practicing righteousness. It's practicing righteousness. All will be revealed. Um, at its due appointed time. But, so he's going through and he's saying, like, as it has been said, and then he gives... Um, Basically, his interpretation, the correct interpretation of how you should view these things. So, uh, and then the, in verse 41, uh, this is something that I actually just learned not too long ago. Whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Uh, this goes back to, in that time, uh, a Roman soldier could basically say, hey, you know, carry this for me and 
it would take you up to at least a mile. But he's telling you that if somebody compels you or tells you to go one mile with him, go with him too. Go above and beyond to, you know, show the difference, to be the difference. This is, again, being the light to the nations. If you got a Roman soldier that's obviously a pagan and he tells you, like, hey, carry all my stuff for a mile, and you're walking with him for a mile, and you hit that marker, and instead of saying, oh, my mile's up, you keep going with him, do you think that he's going to just let that go unnoticed? Obviously, he's going to look over and say, what manner of man are you, you know? And you've been walking with me this whole time. You haven't complained. This goes back to do all things without grumblings. I think it's going to pique his interest, and he's going to, He's going to ask you, like, you know, who are you? What, what do you believe in type of thing? Like what we would see in today's society. You know, you're doing all these good things that people, people are going to inquire about you. And then you have a chance to give that glory back to the father and say, oh, it's, it ain't because of me. It's because of him. Be a light to the nations. So I just want to touch on those couple of things. <clears throat> and again also that it never once says to uh, hate your enemy in the Torah not that I've been able to find anyways we're going to go to uh, Matthew 18 now Matthew 18, 23 through 35. And it says, Because of this, the reign of the heavens is like a certain man, a sovereign who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle, one who has, or one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was unable to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that they had and payment to be made. Then the servant fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I shall pay all. And the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. And that servant went and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. Then his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I shall pay you all. But he would not, and he threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their master all that had taken place. And then his master called him and said to him, Wicked servant, I forgave you the debt, seeing that you begged me. Should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant, as I also had compassion on you? And his master was wroth, and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So also my heavenly Father shall do to you, if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Sounds like the Pharisees to me. 
I agree. Reminds me of Matthew chapter not, 23. It's funny, all this is leading up to not, that chapter. Yeah, I don't know. I was going to say we're not going into 23, but that's kind of what it reminds me of. But we read it after this. We got four more passages to read. A few of them are short. This one's 10. So. <laughs> Matthew 26, 20. And it says, And when evening came, he sat down with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you shall deliver me up. And they were deeply grieved and began to say to him, Each of them, Master, is it I? And he answering said, He who has dipped his hand with me in the dish, he shall deliver me up. Indeed, the son of Adam goes as it has been written concerning him. But woe to the man by whom the son of Adam is delivered up. It would have been good for him, or for that man if he had not been born. And Yehuda, Judas, he who delivered him up, answering, saying, Rabbi, is it I? He said to him, you have said it. And as they were eating, Yeshua took bread and having blessed, broke and gave it to the top ones and said, take, eat, this is my body. And taking the cup and giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood, that of the renewed covenant, which is shed for many, but for the forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, I shall certainly not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it anew with you in the reign of my father. And having sung a song, they went out to the Mount of Olives. I think it's funny after he gets done like preaching and saying, like, all right, guys, I'll sing a song and then we can leave. <laughs> I wonder if this is where uh, <laughs> I wonder if this is where Baptists get like singing the song in church. Probably. Mm. All right, now we can sing a song, we can head out. <laughs> he sought me and bought me. Sorry. Never mind. Uh, Does here know the Baptist hymns? I got a Baptist hymn book. <laughs> I remember seeing all of them in church. I didn't I remember that part. It was fun. I, I like when the backwoods preacher got up there from Fountains of Tennessee and started singing with his family. Yeah. All type of country hymns. I was like, yeah, this is great. <laughs> Uh, we have John 10, 34-36. says, Yeshua answered them, Is it not written in your Torah? I said, You are Elohim. If he called them Elohim, to whom the word of Elohim came, and it is impossible for the scripture to be broken, do you say of him whom the Father set apart and sent into the world, You are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of Elohim? Oh, they don't know their scriptures. You have Hebrews 2, 1 through 2. And we're going to finish with On that peculiar after um, in that chapter that was after the Feast of some of the Feast of Dedications happened that too. I think it was in John 10, wasn't it? 
think so. Yep. That was right after the piece of dedication. He says all that to them. It's interesting. <laughs> uh, Hebrews 2 says, because of this, we have to pay more attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through messengers proved to be firm, and every transgression and disobedience received a right reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a deliverance, which first began to be spoken by the master and was confirmed to us by those that heard, Elohim also bearing witness, uh, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the set-apart spirit, distributed according to his own desire. For it is not to messengers that he has subjected the world to come concerning with which we speak. And I know it was only one, two, two, but I just kept reading. I like pausing in the middle. Maybe think of that song. What song? Maybe think of that song. Give me the beat, boys, and free my soul. Get lost in some rock. Sorry. What is wrong with Dustin? I don't know, man. <laughs> Maybe think of things. We're going to finish with. Um, Acts 7, 35-53. Yeah. Acts 7. This is one of the most uh, powerful events in uh, the New Testament, aside from Yeshua, obviously. This is one of the most powerful events outside of Synoptic Gospels. I'll say that. And aside from Acts 2. And it's all powerful, man. But no, I really like Acts 7. Um, that's why I say that. <laughs> Especially because Paul was there. He got to witness this. Paul being there and, and, and being converted after this. Yeah, it was beautiful. Plus, it's a recap of the Old Testament. So anybody that tells you we don't need the Old Testament, this right here, this is all Stephen telling you, the Old Testament, going from the beginning to the end and showing how it leads up to Yeshua. So that's foolishness. It's nonsense. We absolutely need the Old Testament. All right. <laughs> Acts 7, 35 to 53, it says, This Moshe, whom they had refused, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? This one Elohim sent to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the messenger who appeared to him in the bush. This one led them out after he had done wonders and signs in the land of Mitzrayim and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness 40 years. This is the Moshe who said to the children of Israel, Yahweh your Elohim shall raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. Him you shall hear. This is he who was in the assembly in the wilderness with the messenger who spoke to him on Mount Sinai. And with our fathers who received the living words to give to us, unto whom our fathers would not become obedient, but thrust away. And in their hearts they turned back to Mitzrayim, saying to Aaron, Make us mighty ones to go before us. For this Moshe who led us out of the land of Mitzrayim, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days, and brought an offering to the idol, and were rejoicing in the works of their own hands. So Elohim turned and gave them up to worship the host of the heaven as it has been written in the book of the prophets did you bring slaughtered beasts and offerings unto me 40 years in the wilderness O house of Israel 
and you took up the tent of Molech and the star of your mighty one in Kayun, images which you made to bow before them. Therefore, I shall remove you beyond Babylon. The tent of witness was with our fathers in the wilderness, as he appointed, instructing Moshe to make it according to the pattern that he had seen, which our fathers, having received it in turn, also brought with Yehoshua into the land possessed by the nations, whom Elohim drove out before the face of our fathers until the days of David, who found favor before Elohim and asked to find a dwelling place or a dwelling for the Elohim of Yehob. But Shalomo, Shalomo, Solomon built him a house. However, the Most High does not dwell in dwellings made with hands, as the prophet says, the heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house shall you build for me, says Yahuwah? Or what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all these? You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the set-apart spirit as your fathers did. You also do. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who before announced the coming of the righteous one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who received the Torah as it was ordained by messengers but did not watch over it.